0: Winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in, thanks for watching. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, We're in a little bit different uh, location. It's going to be really cool, Uh, a lot of history here. Uh, We are at the Ames Plantation uh, and I have Miss Amy Spencer helping me co-host today. Amy, thanks for being here. And
1: we're going to talk about bird dogs.
0: Yes, bird dogs and all kinds of stuff. The history here is crazy. We have Dr. Carlisle with us to uh, help us understand all this and and learn about what goes on here, and it should be fun. Thanks for setting it up, and thank you for being here. Welcome. You're welcome.
1: Well, we're getting ready to enter that time of the year down here where it's our uh, Super Bowl.
2: Absolutely.
1: It's the 121st running of the National Championship.
2: And it's been held here continuously since 1915.
1: And explain a little bit about that, because it uh, first ran in 1896 in West Point, Mississippi. So how did it end up here as a permanent home?
2: And what is a field trial? So folks <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, sorry, this is, my, this is my passion, so yeah. I forget that sometimes.
2: Well, let's back up. Uh, field trials essentially started when one fella said, my dog's better than yours. Mm. And so they uh, it, was just, uh, it was just a comparison. They put the dogs on the ground, and initially they started foot hunting. And, uh, and then this gradually increased uh, or grew until you had, uh, had short-running dogs and that they were following on horseback, and then you had big-running dogs that were followed on horseback. And that's what we do at Ames Plantation is we're following the all-age dog, which is the big running dogs. Okay. Uh, I've heard some people compare them to the Indianapolis 500 racers uh, where they go into a field and they make a cast around each field and continue on. And the theory was that the big all-age dogs can point and find as many birds on horseback covering 10 times the territory as a shooting dog or and as a foot-hunting dog can on the ground covering every square foot. Mm. So that was the theory behind my dog's better than yours, and we'll <laughs> do mine on horseback, and we'll follow it, and let's go. So uh, they started the, the national championship, started in West Point, Mississippi in 1896. And um, right after that, a smallpox outbreak forced it to move. Mm. And when it did, they missed the following year And then they moved it uh, to North Mississippi, where they picked up, and they ran it uh, south of Grand Junction for a couple of years, and then they ran it in West Tennessee some. And and it came to Ames Plantation um, uh, in there somewhere around 1902, and they ran it for a few years. And, And then lo and behold, in 1905, Mr. Ames had a dog that was actually qualified to run in the national. And lo and behold, his dog won the national championship. Well, when your dog wins on your grounds, Everybody immediately thinks a little home cooking's <laughs> yeah, involved there. Going yeah. on there.
1: still to this day. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, he it infuriated Mr. Hames because he felt that he had won that dog uh, that trial outright. And so uh, he just made the statement that should they ever host, he ever host the field trials on these grounds again, that he would not compete his dog. And he held true to his word mm. because it was held here several more times until 1915, and he did not compete his dog. And then it came here as a permanent home in 1915, and Mr. Ames became a judge, and he judged it for over 22 years. So and still, he didn't run his dogs. Then either. he did okay. not compete his dogs on his grounds ever again. Now that was that's that's a pretty hard, uh, bitter pill to swallow, if you will. Well, he had the ultimate playground. He could run them anytime he wanted to. I guess couldn't he? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So he uh, it, it was uh, it was really good. Uh, I think it is that we have uh, we, he had one national champion, and that dog was a setter named Allenbaum. And uh, we have a uh, we have a painting of that dog in the manor house here, so uh, that's unique. Yeah, it is. So you've given us a little bit of history,
0: but what's some of the other things that stand out uh, in your mind about the na- the history of the national championship uh, that? You know, there's, this is national, which stands out to me. I didn't realize it was
2: the national championship, which well, is the big deal. Well, big it's one. also international. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Because wow. we, we have owners, uh, dogs that come out of Canada. We've also had dogs from Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one dog uh, several years ago uh, that Robin Gates handled, and uh, it was uh, – uh, I forget the name of the dog, but uh, I always made the announcements of the, the handler and the owner of the dog and the name of the dog at the beginning of the National for, for many years. And the owner of this dog was Okir Maruki from Sioux City, Japan. Now, mm. the first time I looked at that, how do you pronounce yeah. that? And so I went to Robin. Now, you'd have to know Robin Gates to appreciate him. Robin's a, Robin's a big man. He stands about 6'6". And, okay. And a pretty good-sized fella. And so I asked Robin, I said, how do you say that name? And he just looked at me and he says, Doc, I have no idea. I'd just call him Kawasaki. <laughs> so uh, the, there we go. But uh, so we, we, it's an international competition. Wow. Hey,
1: I want to remind you, you're getting close to the lamp. I, I yeah, we got a lecture. <laughs> we got a little lecture when we got here earlier. Well, about these we, you lamps. know, we're,
2: we're looking at the oldest piece of furniture in the Ames Matter House. This this is a table that came out of a monastery in Europe, and it actually has weevil holes in it. And and before fumigates were developed, they say during Mr. Ames's day that he would uh, he would sprinkle granular arsenic mm. down in into the yeah, holes it.
1: Don't your, don't <laughs> to, to kill
2: off. the weevils. And, well, uh, you're
1: worrying me about the lamps because you've well you've bumped it twice now. So
2: <laughs> yes, the, the, these lamps are very special. Uh, I guess the lampshades are the most special. Yeah. Uh, they were completely restored by Christine Young out of Nashville uh, several years ago, but uh, uh, they've been uh, they've been appraised at a little over twenty thousand dollars. Yes, so we piece, do not so want to knock so those whoa. off the table. The, the, so. They they are special. They are. Special.
0: <laughs> I like the as, as Don mentioned earlier the vintage lighting. Yeah, the vintage. lighting. There you go, yes. lighting yes. in the house. All right,
1: today. we'll get back to Phil trials. Um, one thing that people don't realize about the National, this is a three-hour performance for the dog and the handler and the scout and the judges. And how much ground are they covering in these courses? Because we have separate courses. We have the morning course and the afternoon course. Uh-huh. So explain a little bit to
2: the – well, the entire plantation is 18,400 acres, and about 6,000 acres of that is devoted to the field trial courses, and that's a mixture of, of timber and row crop, and then you have some swampland involved in that, and then you've got roads and borders and and what we call bear traps where nothing can get through it, and a lot of times a dog will get yes. into that, and, and lo and behold, you won't get him back.
1: Yeah, the, the first yeah. Uh, first
2: course
1: has a uh, well-known bear a, trap. Yeah,
2: just a little bit, mm-hmm. yes. just a little bit, so <laughs> anyway... <laughs> It's it's roughly six thousand acres, and um, uh, each course uh, we have them divided up into a morning course and an afternoon course, and each course is eleven and a half linear miles in length. Now, this, as as Amy just pointed out, this is a three-hour heat. Most of the qualifying stakes are one hour, two hours at the most. This is an endurance stake. Mm. And so a dog will actually run somewhere between 22 to 25 miles in that three-hour time period. So he has to be in perfect physical condition to be able to accomplish that. And the judges are looking for a dog that ends that three hours with the same energy and enthusiasm that he starts at three hours with. And we've seen
1: a lot of dogs over the years start oh. out really good and make it to about that two-hour, 45-minute, and then yeah. you start to see things go. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, back in the mid-'80s, I saw a dog that uh, made it two hours and 50 minutes, and he was winning it up to that point. And he just stopped and sat down. And that was it. Wow. The handler jumped off his horse and tried to rub him and get him to stand up, you know, and, and had a towel and rubbed him, got all the water off of him and, you know, gave him just a little treat that he had in his pocket, you know. And and he jumped back on his horse and he hit his whistle and the dog sat down. And that was it. Pick him up. He's done.
0: Yeah. Wow. So the, for the folks that don't know, what is the ultimate goal at the end of the trial? For the dog to be still rare and ready to go absolutely and, that and what, what are they scored on how are they s-
1: well they're not actually scored it is
2: <laughs> very subjective judging yes, okay is. okay but what the uh what the judges are looking for we go by what is called the Amesian standards which is uh a standard that mr ames wrote and uh what he's looking for you're looking for a dog that has a lot of range style and character <laughs> And you want a dog that uh, that would that is happy at what he's doing. You want that tail popping. You want it up over his back instead okay. of you but know if, if one's one had a lot of pressure on him, that tail may be down or down between his legs, and and he's not a happy camper doing what he's doing. You so want
1: that high carrying tail when they're running. Absolutely
2: so good actors.
1: No, it just it's maybe not, in <laughs> some
2: cases. In some cases, <laughs> yes, they're acting. In some cases, they're having a ball. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that they love. So uh, there you go. They uh, uh, they're looking for a dog that uh, that will range and that that as i said earlier that just finishes that three hours with that same energy and enthusiasm he's supposed to be hunting the likely places on the course he's not supposed to be running down the road okay not okay. out in the middle of the field don't want a field runner don't want in in the middle of the, one of these big row crop fields where you know there's not going to be any game out there now you know today we have some grain sorghum fields out here and and the stubble that's left out there is probably 30 inches higher so and you got to be careful Dog going through the middle of that field, there may be a covey of birds right in, right in the middle of the field. We saw that crane sorghum. We've yes. seen that multiple yeah. times. And so, when you have a dog that stops and points, the idea is he has the nose. You trust your dog, <laughs> and there's yes. some there's some handlers that just can't do that or don't uh-huh. want to do that but you know the dog has the nose and that's the reason we do this competition is because the dog has the nose and it's all about the dog yes the handlers ride three hours and they handle a the dog and the scouts are hunting for him but the dog wins the championship it's his performance in that three hours hmm. and that's you know we're judging you know he may have a bad performance at the last trial that you were at but the you're judging his three hours today. This is a snapshot in time that you're looking at.
1: Not any of his previous performances. You're Absolutely. not, not going to be sitting there saying, "Well, I mm-hmm. saw him at, you know, the Alabama. He was doing this." And no, it's that's all wash. It's all fresh. It's all new. This this performance only.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us. Uh, we've we've said this. It's the Super Bowl of, of bird dogging and and trial, you know, field trials. Uh,
2: but uh, what dogs are running? What what uh, breeds are mostly? It's mostly English pointers and English setters. Now, when the, when the when the field trials first started uh, back in the late 1800s, it was mostly setters were winning, and they dominated up until after the 1900s and, and up to about 1920. There were a lot of setters that won, and the pointers gradually started taking hold, and, and you started having more and more uh, win and more competing, and what it amounts to, you know, I've heard several people size this up, um, the setters are more of an individual dog. They were for one person or one family hmm. and they won't take a lot of pressure, but a porner, a porner works sort of like a robot. He'll work for anybody. You'll find a few that are yes, sir, very specific. So I can specific. think of one p-
1: suspicious yes, dog that's yes. going to be in this national <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't, but anyway.
2: <laughs> but, uh, you know, most of the time a pointer will work for anybody. There's some cases, like I said, where, where you won't. but for the most part, you can anybody can handle that dog, and 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 he'll go ahead and hunt, and he'll work, and he enjoys what he does. But it's English pointers and English setters, and uh, you know, just a few years ago, uh, what was it? I think it was 2013, 2014, when Shadow Oak Bow won the national championship. That's a setter. Well, when he won that first year, everybody thought. You know this is an anomaly, right? Because yeah, the last the last setter that won was Johnny Crockett in 1970, hmm. and you go back beyond that in 1948 it was Mississippi Zev, and so you know it, when you go back before that it was back in the ten, well is in the twenties when the setter won. So the setters. Are far and few in between. but And so everybody thought, well, in well, 2013, Shadow Oak yeah, Bowl was just a, a you know, It's it, fluke. It's a fluke, fluke. Absolutely. Yeah. And fluke. then he turned around and did it the next year. Oh, wow. In yeah. 2014. So he won back-to-back. Well, the last time a setter won back-to-back national championships was 1901 and 1902. So it was a long time. A very long time. So. so that doesn't happen very often. No, no, it does not.
1: You know, i, I got to interject here. I know sure. this isn't on our sheet, but, you know, we were talking about how pointers are like robots in the work for anybody. Well, there was a certain situation where you had a handler get sick here one year, oh, and absolutely. John Rex had to fill in, and you can fill in from there. Because I will have to say, this man's memory is like a still trap at Bill Cross. <laughs> Back at <laughs> the, when know. we were running on, you know, February 15th, it was sunny in 65, (laughs) like 20 years ago. So, and and this dog did this on the seventh fine. you know, anyway, but.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. He, but,
1: but John Rex had to end up filling in, never even handled the dog. He
2: had not been on a horse in a while and no. and he took the dog and he ran the dog. And
1: this was before cell phones, so someone actually had to go get John Rex, which was right. my husband actually went and yep. found him. said, John Rex, you gotta get over there to handle him. <laughs> Dave Grubb
2: was the handler and he was put in a hospital in Jackson, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so it was a last minute deal. And so John Rex handled the dog, and sure enough, that dog won. And uh, there was one time, there was one point during the trial when John Rex got out of pocket and nobody knew where it was and that was when Roy Pelton uh, handled the dog and the dog had a find. it was on the end of Cox's Ridge toward the end of the three hour race and he got off and he flushed and he flushed and he flushed and he couldn't get the birds up and he looked back at the judge and they says why don't you try flushing right in front of the dog because he went out 20, 30, 40 feet out in front and so he went right back in front of the dog and birds went everywhere mm. and so he took the dog and went on and then John Rex caught up at that point but yeah it, it's been unique so it sounds like the the, the
0: handler has a as is a big part of it too. I mean they Oh, absolutely. They're so I'm, I'm new to this so how, tell me what does uh, what does the handler do specifically while he's on the horse
2: or he or she yes he or and, she and we've had uh, we've had some she's mm-hmm. we've had some females that have run dogs here and so yes uh, but what they do is, is uh, they'll take these dogs to begin with and they train these dogs and this is how they make their living and so uh, you know the owners are paying a boarding fee each month and so he's training the dog and then uh, they'll enter a dog in a field trial and when he turns the dog dog loose, then he's kind of guiding the dog. The dog may never have been on these grounds, mm-hmm. and so this dog is always listening to this handler, and this handler will sing, okay. uh, you know, calling to that dog just to where and he knows where he is. And each handler has
1: their own unique sound. Absolutely. I, even, even, you know.
0: Can we get an example? One of you. Can we, <laughs> what, what does that unique sound sound like? I,
1: I'm a little bit different, but the guys are deep, very deep vocal, but I, I kind of just sing a little, hell hey. And for my dog or if my dog needs to change direction, it's a totally different cadence almost. It's a hey, 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 or, you know, or something or the name of the dog to get it to shift to because you want them to bend with your voice and work. And Hmm. you'll see these dogs a lot of times they'll Mm -hmm. stop and they'll listen. And then they'll just go because they're they're cueing off that handler.
2: But then when you get a dog that is out there a half mile to a mile away from yes. the horse and he has a hard time hearing you, that dog will stop and turn around and he'll look at the handler, Who and whichever cues. direction that horse is pointed is the direction that he'll go. So Always
1: that, have your horse pointed in the direction that, before you right.
2: start. That's right. The handler like always set up attention. so
1: when the dog's turning to look, they know where they're going. Mm.
2: And so they go on, and when that dog finds a covey of birds, which is an upland game bird, he, uh, uh he'll point, and the handler will come up. He'll dismount his horse, and he will walk by the dog, and he'll go out and try to flush the game out in front of the dog. Okay. And then once he flushes game, then in, uh, in the trials that we have today, most of that there's not a bird taken. They shoot blanks. And so the handler will fire a shot in the air, and the reason he's firing a shot in the air is to where the judge can evaluate that dog's manners around his game you don't want a dog that's gun-shy or flinches or moves or lays down or runs off or anything like that. Cowards. Okay. So that dog has to stand there staunch, rigid, and not move. Now, when the birds flush...
1: And we really want high head and high tail.
2: You prefer That's what we head. want. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want one with a flat tail or a 9 o'clock tail. You would prefer him to have a 12 o'clock tail or 11 o'clock tail. Mm-hmm. You know, just up to where he, he he's looking good, doing what he's doing. But... Uh, uh, after the handler flushes. Now, the dog can move his front feet. Mark's
1: like, mark flight. He can mark flight like.
2: of birds, but he can't move his back feet. If he moves his back feet that much, he's out. Mm. He's disqualified. Really? Wow. Yeah. And the entry fee for this trial is $1,200. Yeah. You better have swell. some good dogs. <laughs> so <laughs> you, be want, you want a dog that stands <laughs> sure, yeah. there and does what he's supposed well, to do. Well, you to take,
1: don't though. get to this level uh, without years of training, mm-hmm. without a lot of money. Not, when I say... Thousands upon thousands tied up into these dogs, uh-huh. and what these dogs are worth to get here, you know, wow, on the absolutely. on the market. If you were to buy a half qualified dog, you're looking at uh, anywhere from twenty five to fifty thousand. Because I know people that have turned down, and I know people that have turned down six know, figures for dogs that have actually been here wow. and won.
0: Yeah. Yep. So,
1: these are high-dollar dogs.
0: Yeah, that's well, out of my out of my price range. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> the, the yeah. First year, and I do it on a state budget.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the first year I was here, uh, first national championship I went through was 1982. And Heritage Premonition was a dog that won. And I just happened to be standing behind his owner, who was Jim Cohen from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy standing beside Jim. And we were in front of the manor house on the, out on the walkway. And when they announced Heritage Premonition, that guy turned to Jim and says, I'll give you $30,000 for that dog right now. Well, you know, here I come. I'm, this is the, I'm brand new to this stuff. I didn't know anything about bird dogs. I'm I'm trying to learn. Uh-huh. And here this guy offers this guy $30,000 for a dog. And I'm thinking, if it was mine, he'd die of heartworms tonight. <laughs> you know, I just, it just uh, totally. And it it, it uh, never
1: fails that you turn down money for dogs he's going, so something happens uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I've been there so uh, anyway but let's let's explain a little bit to people um, I know how we get here I know how hard it is to get here oh, yeah. but let's talk about... The qualifying trials trials, and how to get here.
2: There are 80 qualifying events in the United States and Canada right now. And for a dog to initially qualify, he has to have at least two first place wins in any of those field trials. Anytime during his lifetime. Now, he may get his first win when he's two years old. Mm -hmm. He may not get his second win till he's four years old.
1: And we've had... Derbies qualify absolutely. here too. Absolutely.
2: We've had we've had dogs to get two wins in one year. Mm-hmm. And once they get those two wins then they're automatically qualified to come here. Now, if they win it, they're automatically qualified to come back the next year. Okay. If not, then they have to have a placement, either a first, second, or third or a champion or runner-up position to re-qualify to come back. It's
1: easier to get back here than it is to get here the first oh, time. Oh, absolutely. And it is a highly competitive. <laughs> and they like and a- we all field trailers travel. Well, we don't go into Canada, but we spend plenty of time in North Dakota to Florida Absolutely. chasing this, too.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You When you go up north during the summertime, it's usually cooler up there, lower humidity. So it's, it's The and season they,
1: actually starts in August. Well, a lot yeah. of people don't realize this.
2: For, they, to get
1: here, starts in August. Um,
2: they have lots of game birds up there, too, to help mm-hmm. train the dog early, and then they gradually move south as the winter comes.
1: One thing I want to know... <laughs> What is your most memorable performance before we run out of time here?
2: Oh gosh, that would probably be the second time that Whippoorwill Rebel won the national championship in 1989. He won it in 1987. And if there was a second place dog in 1988 when Navajo And There's
1: not it, a second place.
2: There's no <laughs> runner all run. or nothing. And so. If there was a second place dog, he would have won. He'd been runner up in 1988. Uh-huh. But then Mr. Tate Klein owned that dog, and he came into the office one day over over there, and and uh, this was before the deadline, before December 31st, when when you had to go ahead and and decide, you know, if you were going to run or not. But back in in this day in 1989, when a dog won, he was qualified for life. Uh-huh. Okay. So he didn't have to have a placement to come back in. But Mr. Tate came into the office, and Dr. Anderson and I were there, my predecessor. And and he said, uh, he looked at me, and he says, Doc, I need to talk to you and Dr. Anderson. And I said, okay. And so we went into the office, and, and he sat down, and he said, I want to run Jake. Jake was a call name for Whip Wheel Rebel. And uh, I said, you want to run Jake? And he says, Yes. He said, he has four offspring running in the national championship this year, and I just want the old man to run with a chiller. <laughs> and I thought, okay, here we go. I said, uh, Miss Tate, I said, uh, have you worked at dog any? And he says, oh, no, no, no. He's, he's been a house dog. And I says, well, don't you oh, think wow. it'd be nice to get that dog be on the ground, to be you know, efficient? get conditioned and be able to go three hours? He said, oh, I, I'm, I'm not worried about that. I just want the old man to run with the chilling. And he said, okay. And so, uh, sure enough, Tommy Davis had handled a dog before, and he had already won with three different dogs up to that point. And so... Um, Tommy put that dog on the ground. Well, lo and behold, the chilling didn't do anything. Wow. But Whip-Wheel Rebel came out there. Old Jake came out there, and he knocked out 13 fines in three hours. He ran a stob through one of his, I think it was his right front foot uh, with about 10 minutes to go. And Tommy got off his horse and took his handkerchief out and pulled the stob out of his foot, took a handkerchief and wrapped around that dog's foot and tapped him on the head. And he took off again and he had another find right there at the end. And this was what was so unique about this thing is it was at the end of the Morgan Field, just north of the field trial stables next to Ellington Road. And the dog went into a cut in the woods. And you could see him in there probably 50 yards. And so we rode up to the outside. Well, the judges were the only ones that were going to get to ride in that little cut to observe the dog. And the gallery had to stand to the outside and kind of watch what was going on. And so as Tommy got off his horse and he was going to walk in there, he got up a covey of birds. And everybody hollered, there's your birds, there's your birds. And Tommy just kind of looked around at the judges, and he just walked right on down there to the dog, walked right out in front of that dog, and flushed a huge covey of birds oh, wow. right in front of the dog. And he turned around, looked at the judge, and says, "Those are my birds." And the gallery just immediately started clapping. That's the first time I'd heard an applause for a dog during the <laughs> national championship. But that was so cool. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome.
1: And I gotta ask one more because we've had some characters over the years here. <laughs> some handlers or it can be a handler or it can be some of our other, how do I say, clientele that we have. But what's memorable about that over your career, 40 years of here?
2: Oh, gosh. Uh,
1: I know Colvin Davis has got to be in there somewhere because he's memorable to me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Colvin's in there several times. (laughs) But uh, some of the best braces have been watching Colvin and Robin run against each other because they grew up together and they grew up competing together. And so they're always ragging one another. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, it's in your face and they just have a ball. And so they've done that, uh, you know, years after years. And uh, they were braced together in one morning brace. That was, that was the most comical, I think, but it was every, every find that they had. And a lot of times a handler, when they're competing, Uh, This is supposed to be a gentleman's sport, (laughs) is what they say. (laughs) It's supposed to be a gentleman's sport, but sometimes one handler, if he if he has a, the other dog has a fine, he's going to try to get away from him as quickly as he can and put him behind and make him catch up. Well, when you have to catch up, then it takes energy out of that dog to catch up. And so he may not have energy at the end of the three hours to make it. But those Sometimes two... Sometimes
1: it's a little defense as much as offense.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But these two, if one pointed, the other one slack up and wait on him. And if they had a dog that pointed together and are close to one another, they would Always wait on that. very respectful of one another in that regards. They would wait on one another, but uh, one of the best uh, stories that I've got. You talking about Calvin Davis? I judged a trial with Calvin up at Clarksville, Miss uh, Tennessee, and uh, which is uh, still
1: a wild bird trial. We don't have many of those, but it absolutely. still absolutely mm-hmm. uh, on, bring that uh, on
2: military grounds up there, mm-hmm. and so. Anyway, we were we were there, and Calvin told me about going into a Walmart. He was going to get some airborne uh, to take, uh-huh. and and he didn't know that the airborne were like Alka Seltzers that fizzed, <laughs> and they had told him to get those Alka Seltzers because it would help him, you know, with the stuff. Uh-huh. And so, walking back up to the counter, he just opened the box and popped a couple <laughs> in his mouth. Well, he gets up to the counter, and those things are fizzing in his mouth, and they're coming out his nose and his mouth, and he looked like he was rabbit, you know. And so the, the, the cashier looks at him and says, are you okay? And he said he walked outside, and everybody's backing up and clearing the way. They're getting out of his way. So that's a call to Davis. Oh, yeah, but he's, wow.
1: he's always a character. So. He is that. Um, if you're watching this... Uh, the nationals going on. You can check out the Ames Plantation website. They give updates daily. Also, yeah. the Facebook page Facebook will page. have updates. And uh,
2: we have a website: www.amesplantation.org. And
0: I think uh, I think their Facebook is Ames Plantation at Ames Plantation. So easy you, to find it.
1: You do give updates on performances and photos from the day. So if you want to just follow along, it's a great. It's a it's a great experience. Yeah,
0: awesome. Well appreciate you, Dr. Carlisle, and, and thanks for having us here. We'll have to yes, do, enough, sir. We'll do another welcome. show with you and we'll talk a little bit more about the history around us. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, all right. Well thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and keep coming back. This is Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at TNwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.